You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today we're continuing the series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Freedom. And uh, here's the idea behind this series. We've been talking about how every one of us, we all need to experience freedom in some way in our lives, whether it's freedom from the hurts of the past, uh, whether it's freedom in the form of forgiving someone, maybe it's freedom in the form of overcoming your fears. There's some area of our lives where all of us need to experience the freedom of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk to you about a topic that I really believe has the potential to change your life uh, because they can transform your thinking. And I want to talk to you about lies today. Now, speaking of lies, how many of you have a memory from when you were a kid of telling a lie and getting busted by your parents or your teacher? Anybody? Come on, I think that's all of us, right? We all have some kind of memory like that. You know those lies like telling your teacher, my dog ate my homework? You know, we have a bunny in our house. Sometimes the bunny actually eats my kid's homework. It's kind of probably hard for the teacher to believe that, but... Or maybe, you know, like you told your mom you were feeling sick and you wanted to stay home from school and then you had a miraculous recovery when your friends came over to ask you if you could play outside that afternoon. You know, those kind of lies. Now, I have three boys. We have three boys in our home. And so we've had some, you know, some lies and some stories around the Ziegler home over the years. But there's one that kind of sticks out in my mind that's kind of famous in our house. And, and that's a, a lie that my, my oldest son, Aaron, told when he was in the first grade. It's a pretty good one. He actually convinced his teacher and his classmates that he had a pet alligator. <laughs> now, we were living in Buffalo, New York at the time. Not exactly a place where there are a lot of alligators. You know what I'm saying? But it kind of helps when your dad's from Louisiana. And so there was this one visit home. We were visiting my family down in Louisiana, and Amy took the boys to an alligator farm. And Aaron actually got a picture holding a baby alligator. And he asked Amy to print a copy of that picture. Now, she didn't know why he asked that, but he brought that picture to school. Pretty convincing evidence, right, that he had a pet alligator. You got to say, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. Now, all of this was working according to his plan. And so one day, Amy visited the school, and the teacher brought up this whole thing about a pet alligator. And Amy's like, what are you talking about, a pet alligator? And then he was totally busted, but I got to give him credit. That, that was a pretty good one. Now, we've all <laughs> told lies before. But the only thing that's worse than the lies we've told, I think, is the lies we've believed and the lies that we continue to believe. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Pastor Jeremy, what are you talking about? What lies have I believed? I haven't believed any lies. I'm a street smart New Yorker. Nobody pulls anything over on me. Well, that reminds me of a famous quote from Mark Twain who said this. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Come on, how many of you know that's true? It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. See, the problem with lies is that we often have no idea when we believe one. That's the way lies work. We don't even recognize when a lie slips past us and we start believing it. You see, as Christians, we believe that we have a real spiritual enemy, the devil. We believe that, right? Some of you may be in here today, you may say, I don't know what I believe about that. Listen, I don't believe that you can blame all of your problems and all of your mistakes on the devil, but we believe we're in a real spiritual battle. If you don't believe that, are you watching the same news that I'm watching these days? Because there is so much evil in this world. 
Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter six that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against spiritual forces of darkness. There is a battle between good and evil that is raging in the spiritual realm. Now we believe that good is going to prevail. We do not believe that it's evenly matched, but we find ourselves in a struggle. And our enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, his main tactic for attacking us is to use lies, to use lies. In fact, Jesus called Satan the father of lies because deception has been his tactic from the very beginning. Look at this scripture, John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus said this, he, meaning the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, language for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, the very first sin The very first temptation was the result of a lie. If you remember the creation story, in in the serpent, right, the devil came in the form of a serpent to tempt Eve in the Garden of Eden. And and what happened? He tempted her to eat the forbidden fruit. What did Eve say to the serpent? She said, God said that we could eat from any tree in the garden. The only tree that we can't eat from is, is the fruit of the knowledge, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because God said, if we eat from that tree, we will die. And what did the serpent say? He said, surely you will not die. See, he planted a lie. He tempted Eve to eat the fruit through a lie. I like what Pastor Nikki Gumbel says. He says, we always swallow a lie before we swallow forbidden fruit. We always swallow a lie. That is the essence of temptation, to give into a lie before we swallow the forbidden fruit. You see, Satan is a master illusionist. Because he's not evenly matched, because evil is not evenly matched with the power of good, Satan is an illusionist. He's a trickster. He's a deceiver. He's very good at using half-truths and illusions to trick us into believing something that is not true. That's, That's what he does. Satan often leads us to believe something and even agree with something that is a lie. And when we accept these lies as truth, they can actually have power over us and we can find ourselves in bondage to these lies. This is what he does. This is what he does. Good and evil are not matched, okay? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So what does the enemy do? He comes to us and he deceives us. He puts something in front of us and makes it look good. He tempts us to believe that something that does not line up with God's will, something that does not line up with God's best for us, he tells us we can indulge this thing and there will be no consequences. And in doing so, he's very good at deceiving us, tricking us. He is a master illusionist. And when we believe these lies, we can find ourselves literally in a form of bondage to these lies. Let me give you some examples, okay? So here's what happens. You know, we live in this natural realm, but we so often, often miss that there's, there's a spiritual realm around us, you know? We just talked about the scripture a second ago that says our, our battle is not of just flesh and blood, right? Well, here's what happens. Something normal happens to us, something that seems very earthly in our experience, like someone rejects us. That seems like a normal thing in a relationship, right? We, somebody rejects us in a, in a relationship, a romantic relationship or a friendship or a, a professional relationship. And here's what happens. The enemy comes along and begins to whisper in your ear, you're unlovable. You're unlovable. That person rejected you because you're not worthy of love. He whispers a lie in your ear. Or maybe you experience a loss or a setback in your life and the enemy whispers this lie to you. You can't trust God. You're wasting your time. You go to church, you amen the sermons, you sing the worship songs, but where was God when fill in the blank happened? 
and he begins to whisper lies to us. Or you fail at something, something that happens all the time. We all make mistakes. We all try something and we fail. But the enemy comes along and here's the spiritual battle. He begins to whisper this lie to you. You'll never be good enough. You'll always fail. In fact, you are a failure. He wants to take your mistake and make it define you. Do you see it? It's a lie. It's a lie that's whispered into your ear, into your subconscious. And many times we're walking around with these lies and we don't even recognize it. They're there all the time. And when we believe a lie, we can actually become captive to it. Prisoners to the lies we've believed. It can affect our thinking. It can affect our behaviors. It can actually affect the way we see ourselves. And how many of you know that a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true? A lie has power. Perception is reality. When you believe a lie, it could actually become a lens that changes the way you see things. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. This makes me think of a news story a while back. How many of you remember the story of Elizabeth Smart? Uh, This was in the news several years ago. Elizabeth Smart was a 14-year-old girl who was abducted uh, from her home back in 2002 in the Salt Lake City area in Utah by a man named Brian Mitchell who held her captive for nine months. And so she was finally rescued and set free by some neighbors who recognized her less than 20 miles from her house. She was literally living like a slave, captive less than 20 miles from her own home. Now, the interesting thing is, once she got set free, the details of her captivity began to emerge. And what they found out is it wasn't like they kept Elizabeth locked up in a house or in a basement somewhere the whole nine months. No, her captors were actually bold. They took her out in public. Sometimes they disguised her, but sometimes she wasn't even really that disguised. In fact, there was one opportunity when the police literally stopped Elizabeth Smart with her captors, and they told her they were looking for Elizabeth Smart. And you'd say, why didn't she just yell out and say, I'm Elizabeth Smart? Like, why didn't she just run away? And I know it's easy to think that. Well, here's why. Because they had brainwashed her. Every day they had told her lies that they were going to harm her, they were going to kill her, they were going to harm her family if she tried to run away. And so her fear of something that wasn't true actually kept her from being free. That's the power of a lie. Her fear of something that wasn't true actually kept her from being free. And let me just tell you, church, the same thing can happen to us. The enemy is really good at telling lies. And when we swallow a lie and believe it, it can affect our reality. It can affect our thinking. It can affect the way we relate to ourselves, the way we relate to other people. So that something that is not even true causes us to be in bondage. Come on, the enemy wants us to be imprisoned by his lies. But here's the good news. Jesus came to set us free. Come on, John chapter 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We believe there's freedom in Jesus Christ. That's what we've been preaching and teaching all throughout this series. And if you don't believe that's true, let me just tell you, you are surrounded by people in this room who have experienced freedom in some way. You are surrounded by people who will tell you like this faith thing works, like Jesus is alive, like what we sang about is true. The presence of God can change your life. Jesus at work in your heart can change your life. I'll, I'll tell you for myself, like I've experienced this to be true. And so that's our heart for you. That's what this series is all about, is that you would be walking in freedom, not bound up by any lies that you've believed. And so today we're gonna look at some principles from scripture that are gonna help you overcome the lies of the enemy so that we can walk in truth and in freedom. Because this is what we want, isn't it? 
This, this, this is what we want. We don't want any lies that are residing in our, our subconscious affecting the way we, we see other people, uh, affecting the way we, we see ourselves, uh, giving us permission to act in certain ways that, that tells us that there's no consequences for our, our, our behavior. No, we want to be walking in freedom. We want to be walking in freedom. And so I want to give you some principles today on how to overcome the lies of the enemy. And I want to invite you to take some notes today. You can open up the Redemption app. If you don't have that, get it from our website. There's a spot where you can take notes every week. How do we overcome the lies of the enemy? Here's the first principle. Number one, identify the lies by recognizing the truth. Identify any lies that we might be believing by recognizing the truth. See, the best way to identify a lie is by learning to, to recognize the truth. So let me give you this example, okay? Uh, how many of you guys know about the Secret Service? You, you know about the Secret Service. What is the Secret Service famous for? For protecting the president, right? Yeah, that's what we all know. But did you know that the Secret Service has other tasks? In fact, one of the tasks of the Secret Service is to investigate uh, counterfeit money operations. They actually investigate and shut down counterfeit money operations. And so what happens is, is when they hear about this, they investigate it and they go in and they try to stop these, this counterfeit money from, from flooding into and infiltrating the market. Now, Secret Service agents, they don't become experts at spotting counterfeit money by studying fakes. Secret Service agents become experts at spotting counterfeit money by studying the real thing. See, they're so familiar with the real thing, all the security features, authentication features of, you know, a $100 bill or something like that, the little ribbon that's in it and the watermark that's there and the serial number. See, they study the real thing so much so that when they see a fake, they can spot it. They learn to, 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 to spot the fakes by being familiar with the truth. Come on, church, we gotta, get, we gotta get this today. We identify the lies of the enemy by recognizing the truth, by knowing the truth. How do we, how do we recognize truth? How do we recognize truth? Well, I wanna give you two spiritual disciplines. We recognize truth by knowing God's word and through prayer. Two basic spiritual disciplines that help us become experts in the truth. Number one is God's word. How many of you know that the truth of God is, is revealed in the word of God? The truth of God is contained in the word of God. If you want to know the truth of God, you got to get into the word of God. So we have to know God's word. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Come on, God, I have become an expert like a secret service agent. I have studied the truth of your word. I have it buried in my heart so that when I see a counterfeit, I can call it what it is. When a counterfeit lie of the enemy comes to me to tempt me, I can recognize it for what it is. Why? Because I've hidden the truth of your word in my heart. See, if you don't know God's word, if you don't believe God's word, you can end up believing anything. How many of you know that's true? Like we are surrounded in a culture with many voices, many opinions, many people trying to tell us what to do, how to think. And a lot of it does not line up with the truth of God's word. If you do not know what your Bible says, you can end up believing anything. You can end up believing any lie of, 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 the, of the culture. If you don't know what the word of God says about how you should live your life, how you should treat people, your relationships, your marriage if you're married, your parenting if you're a parent, your sexuality, your finances, your generosity, forgiving people. If you don't know what's God, what God's word says about that, you can end up believing anything. It can do you a lot of harm. We've got to know the truth of God's word. Here's the second thing is prayer. 
How do we recognize the truth? God's word and in prayer. See, in prayer, the Holy Spirit can begin to reveal the truth of God's word to us. He can begin to speak truth to us. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 16. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he was telling the, the disciples about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, when the truth, uh, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Did you know that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit? To guide you into truth? To really guide you in, into truth. And so you can begin to pray and invite the Holy Spirit into your day every day. Holy Spirit, guide, guide me into truth. Tr and truth in my decisions. Tr truth in, in every interaction, in every conversation, every, every business deal. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you into my day so that you would guide me into truth. See, as we study God's word, as we pray, as we meditate on, on the truth, as we allow it to, to renew our minds, we begin to become familiar with the voice of God. We begin to discern and recognize the voice of God, and we can distinguish it from the voice of the enemy. You see, the voice of God will encourage you, but the enemy wants to come and discourage you. See, the, the, the voice of God will convict you, not beat you up, but convict you in righteousness that the voice of the enemy will condemn you, tell you that you're a low, down, dirty, no good sinner. And see, what happens is we can begin to confuse that for God's voice. And some of us grew up in churches that made that voice sound like God's voice, but that wasn't God's voice. Because actually what Jesus said is the Holy Spirit would come along and convict you in righteousness. That means he will help you recognize when you've sinned, when you've messed up. But here's what he does. He comes along and he reminds you of who you are in Christ Jesus. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child of God. That's not even who you are anymore. That's what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. And one of the worst tactics of the enemy is not only will he get us believing lies, but he'll get us believing that, that his voice is actually the voice of God. The voice of God will actually comfort you. The voice of the enemy will afflict you and, and cause you not to have comfort, not to have peace. And so we've got to learn to tune into the voice of our good, loving God. We've got to recognize the truth. We've got to identify the lies of the enemy by tuning our, our ears and our eyes to the truth of God's word, tuning, getting our ears synced up with the voice of God in our lives so we can discern it from the lies of the enemy. Here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how do we overcome, how do we overcome lies? Like, man, we're being attacked on a regular basis. Some of you, even as I'm beginning to, to, to preach this message, today, you're beginning to recognize, like, there, there's some lies that have been creeping in. There's some things that have been causing you to, that, that, that have been causing you to doubt your, your faith, your relationship with God, who, who, who you are. There may have been some lies that you can do certain things and there are no consequences, that your, your pleasure and, and your happiness is the most important thing. There's been some lies in your life. How do we overcome that so that we can walk in freedom? Here's the second thing, number two, confess and repent. Confess and repent. Now, what does that mean? Because those are really churchy words. Let me tell you what, what that means. To confess is to simply acknowledge the wrong. To acknowledge what's wrong, our wrong thinking, our wrong behavior, our wrong attitude, the lie that we've allowed to affect our lives, the way we treat people, the way, we, the way we're behaving. And then to repent is to turn back to God in his ways. The word repent is a really loaded word. It's a word picture. It's literally to turn back, to get on the path that leads to God in his ways. So when we recognize in prayer, when we do step one, when we pray, and as we read scripture, we begin to recognize some of the lies that we've believed or that we've allowed to affect us that may have even led us into sinful patterns of thinking, sinful patterns of behavior. When we recognize those things, we confess and repent. So it looks like something like this. Father, forgive me for believing. 
that thing, whatever it is. Father, forgive me for, for believing that I could do that and it would have no consequences. Father, forgive me for believing that I, that, that I don't have to forgive people, that I can hold a grudge and that there would be no consequences for my soul. I recognize that's not your best for me. And then we begin to turn back to God and to his truth. God, the truth of your word says that, that I'm, to forgive, I'm to forgive my debtors, right, as you've forgiven me. I have to forgive those who have sinned against me because you, you, you've forgiven me. Do you see it? See, confession breaks the power of sin in your life. You know what doesn't break the power of sin in your life? Pride, making excuses, becoming defensive, blaming other people. Any of you ever got closer to God by blaming other people? Anybody? And he'll, well, why do we do that still? <laughs> like blaming other people has never actually helped me get a breakthrough in my relationship with Jesus, in my walk with God. Yet it comes so naturally to me, not to you, but to me. I struggle with that sometimes. I know. So here's what Jesus said in 1 first, in first John chapter 1, verse 9. He said, if we confess our sins, this is what John said about the work of Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That, that's the good news. God's gonna hold up his end of the bargain. He's gracious. He's merciful. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He's gonna forgive us of our sins. He's gonna cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's a qualifier here. Read the first part of that with me out loud. If we confess our sins. See, we have to do our part to go to him so that we can experience freedom. Here's the other thing that confession does. Confession also severs any agreement that we've made with the enemy. You say, Pastor Jeremy, what does that mean? Well, when we believe the lies of the enemy, we, we actually can come into agreement with them and they begin to have power over us. Let me help you understand this, okay? How many of you know there's power in agreeing with the word of God? How many of you know that when you get a hold of a scripture, you ever get a hold of a promise from God's word that you just pray that like you, like I'm grabbing a hold of this promise for my life, for my kids, for my finances, for my health, for my career, for my future. And you just begin believing that scripture and holding on to, to the promises of God. How many of you have discovered that, that that's powerful? I need somebody to help me today. How many of you have discovered there's power when you do that, when you come into agreement with the word of God? Now, guess what? Here's the bad news. The bad news is the same thing is also true when we come into agreement with the lie of the enemy. It can have power over us. It can literally have power over your thinking. It can have power over your, over your identity, over the way you see yourself, over the way you relate to people. And so confession severs any agreement that we've entered into unknowingly with the enemy. You know what it's like? It's kind of like those user agreements that we all acknowledge and say yes to every time we upgrade and update our iPhones. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, I know you're like me. You just skip right through all of that legal language, all the, you know, we don't read what's in all that stuff. We just hit, I agree, right? Like how, for all you know, it said, I agree to give my firstborn child to Apple, you know? And you just say, I agree. We don't pay attention to that stuff. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but, but here's my assumption is that there are some legally binding things in there <laughs> that we are agreeing to. Here's the idea. What happens with confession, when we recognize that we've believed a lie and it's operating in our, lie, our lives and we've come into agreement with it some way, when we recognize that we've believed a lie and we confess it to God, we tap into the legal power of heaven to break any agreement that we unknowingly entered into. And how many of you know that Jesus is a pretty good high-powered lawyer to have on your side? That's what happens. He gets you out of any agreement that you entered into without knowing it. You unknowingly entered into that agreement with the enemy, but all of the legal power of heaven comes on your side to get you out of that situation. And we have to recognize that, God, when I, when I recognize 
that have believed a lie. There's been a lie operating in my life. We, we, we don't make excuses for it. We don't blame other people. We confess it to God. We go to him. And he's faithful and he's just and he forgives us and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he sets us free. He breaks any power that the enemy has over us. Come on, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The devil is an illusionist. The devil is a deceiver. And when you recognize the, tr the, the truth, you just begin to speak truth to that lie and it breaks the power of the enemy. And that brings us to the third point because we're talking about how do we overcome? How do we overcome lies? Here's, here's number three. Replace any lies with the truth of God's word. Replace any lies with the truth of God's word. I'm trying to give you some tools for your spiritual tool belt today. So the first thing is to recognize, to recognize the lies by becoming so familiar with the truth of God's word through prayer, through, through, through uh, reading God's word. The second thing is we confess and repent when we recognize that we've been in agreement with a lie. Then the third thing is we, we begin to replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. See, replacing the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. This literally destroys the power that the enemy has over us. Let me show you a really powerful scripture. The apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. He said, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Come on, we don't play games like the world does. Look at verse four. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Look at verse five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In fact, that's what a stronghold is. It's something that sets itself up against the knowledge of God's word, his truth. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Such a powerful scripture. Now, the Greek word translated strongholds because the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The, the Greek word translated strongholds in verse four. This is why I had you read this out loud. It literally means a castle or fortress. Like this is, this is a word picture that the apostle Paul is giving us. Pa Paul is talking about strongholds of deception that can take hold, take root in our minds, in our thinking, and literally hold us captive. See, let me give you this example. It's like every lie we believe, it becomes like another brick in the wall. Anybody like me, you find yourself struggling with the same lies over and over again, the same temptations. Like, isn't that the way it works? For some reason, we have like the, the same temptations that come into our life. You ever feel like, here I am again, Lord? Like, or how did I fall into that? Like, anybody with me? Like, we find ourselves often struggling with the same old stuff. Well, guess what? Every time we give in to that, it's like a brick gets placed in the wall. And over time, that wall can become a fortress. It can become a stronghold. It's like the enemy is literally camped out, infiltrated into our minds and our thinking. It often starts with him accusing you, like telling you lies about your actions. So you find yourself saying things like this in your subconscious. Man, I always do fill in the blank. Man, I can never overcome that thing. I always give in to this temptation. It's always going to be this way. My family was like that. It's always going to be this way for me. My finances are always going to be this way. There's always going to be this dysfunction. I'm always going to lose my temper. See, we begin saying these things to ourselves without even recognizing it. We've swallowed the lies, and there's a stronghold that's formed in our thinking. And then, as it becomes strong enough in our thinking, it begins to actually affect our identity. So then we begin to say, I'm always going to be a liar a cheater, an addict, an abuser. I'm always going to be this or that. that that's, we begin to see ourselves that way. We, now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's power in being honest with yourself, but I'm telling you, the enemy wants to get a stronghold in your mind that literally begins to affect your thinking and changes your identity. 
what do we do? How do we break the strongholds of the enemy? How do we break these strongholds? We demolish strongholds by replacing lies with the truth of God's word. That's what Paul says. Paul says we take captive every every thought. We break down those strongholds and we literally take captive our, our thought life. So let me show you what it looks like. I'm going to go back and revisit some of the lies that we talked about before, and I'm going to show you how we replace it with the truth of God's word. So someone rejects us. We experience rejection. The enemy comes along and begins to whisper this lie into your ear. You're unlovable. You're not worthy of love. That's the lie of the enemy. But because you've been praying, because you've been meditating on God's word, you know what God's word says. God's word says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is for us in Christ Jesus, neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation can separate me from the love of God, which is for me in Christ Jesus. Come on, I'm lovable. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a child of God. That is the truth. That is the truth. You experience a loss or a setback in your life or something goes wrong in your life and the enemy comes along and says, you can't trust God. Every time you trust God, he lets you down. Come on, you remember the promise of God's word. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And you begin to preach to your life. No, I choose to believe that God has a good plan for my life. Plans to prosper me. Plans to, to not to harm me. Good plans for my life. You fail at something, you give in to temptation, you mess up again, right? And the enemy tells you, you'll you'll never be good enough. You are just a failure. Come on, I know we can all relate to that one. You're you're just a failure. That's that's what your identity is. You remember remember the word of God that says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Come on. Uh, Yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress, but he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it in my life. And you begin to take captive every thought. You begin to take captive every thought. Can I tell you, I have to do this all the time. All kind of thoughts pop in my head. I know y'all are more sanctified than me, but Lord have mercy. The temptations, the judgments that can pop in my, I can be in the airport and just look at people and judge them so quick. I wish I was like you. I'm not, I'm not that nice. And I'm always inviting God into my thoughts. Jesus, help me to see that person the way you see them. Jesus, help me to see that person made in your image. God, you, you, you sent me here to, to, to reach people like that. Right? Yeah, like I'm always having to re, re, retrain my mind. I'm, I'm breaking down strongholds. In my, I'm not letting any bricks pile up in my mind. No, I'm breaking those things down and, I, and I'm taking captive, literally wrestling every thought and making it captive to the truth of God's word. And so we take captive every thought. Stephen Covey in his famous business book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, many of you have read that book, he calls this our inner scripting, our inner scripting. It's what you tell yourself about yourself. It's your inner dialogue, because how many of you know we all talk to ourselves? Sometimes we even ask ourselves questions and we answer the questions. (laughs) Some of y'all got multiple personalities in there that you're talking to. It's a group conversation. It's your inner scripting. be, Be careful with the things you tell yourself about yourself. Pay, pay, pay attention to your, to your inner dialogue. Because see, that seems so natural to us, but can I tell you, that is often where the supernatural battle is happening in your life. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. 
that want to infiltrate our, our thinking and, and change and change our script. Come on, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can renew your mind and change your inner scripting. You can flip the script because God is the author of your story. God is the author of your life, not the enemy. The enemy wants to rewrite your story, but God is in charge of your story. He is the creator. He is writing the story that is your life. So you can redeem your mind and, and rewrite the scripting of, of your life. You, you renew your mind by changing your inner scripting. We can't allow our feelings, cannot allow our thoughts. We cannot allow the temptation of the enemy to define us. How many of you know that your, your feelings sometimes will lie to you? You need, to, you need to be in touch with your feelings, but how many of you know that, that sometimes your feelings are not true? <laughs> your feelings are not always true. Sometimes you can, you can deceive yourself. The worst lies we tell are the ones we tell ourselves. Your feelings, your thoughts, we cannot allow the voice of the enemy to, to define us. No, no, God's word is truth. And we're going to submit to his voice. We're going to prioritize his truth in our lives, his word. His spirit, his voice. Come on, John 8, 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. God, we're gonna meditate on your truth. God, we're gonna, we're gonna prioritize your truth. God, we're gonna renew our minds in your word. We're gonna bury your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you, that when counterfeits come our way, we can spot a fake from a mile away because we have learned to recognize the truth. We premeditated the attack of the enemy. We were ready. We were ready. And we're recognizing when the enemy is trying to build strongholds in our thinking. We take our thoughts captive to the truth of God's word. Let me tell you this as we close this morning. Often the enemy, what he wants to do is he'll try to lie to you about an area in your life where you have the most potential for the kingdom of God. Come on, sit up for a moment here and listen. Lean in for a second here, okay? A lot of times where the enemy will attack you is in the area where you have the most potential for the kingdom of God. Your gifting, your calling, your talents, the passions, the things God placed on the inside of you because he wants you to be captive to his lies so that you don't live into your full redemptive potential in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And so often he'll, he'll hit you there where it's most important. And so let me give you a, a personal example in my life. My whole life, I've wrestled with the lie that my, my worth is based on my performance. That's a lie that I find myself constantly battling, that my value, my worth is based on my performance. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up to preach and felt so unworthy to preach. When, when, you know, when I think about the week I've had or my leadership or my pastoring or how, how things are going, it's been so many times that, that the enemy just wants to remind me of how unworthy I, I am. He wants to remind me of all the ways that I've sinned and messed up and made mistakes because I'm like you. I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not perfect. I make sins. sins. I, I, I have mistakes. I thank God that his mercies are made new every morning. God signed me up. I needed some new grace for today. I'll take my distribution today. And you know what he wants to do? So many times he wants to knock me off track so that I can't live into God's potential for my life. But here's what I've learned. I've, le I've learned to believe the voice of God over the lies of the enemy so that I can say, you know what? I'm not worthy, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I'm gonna do what you called me to do. I'm gonna preach like it's my last time to preach because the reality is it's not about me. I'm not good. See, the enemy's really good at telling you half-truths. The enemy will tell you a half-truth like, you're not enough. 
you're not enough. Well, here's the reality. In the natural, I'm not enough. In the natural, you're not enough. But you plus the Holy Spirit is enough. You plus the grace of God is enough. You plus the voice of the Holy Spirit working in your life is enough. And so I've gotten to the place where I said, God, I'm gonna go ahead and just preach and do what you called me to do because the reality is it's never been about me being good enough. I'm just a sinner being saved by your grace and I'm gonna preach grace to other people because that's what you've called me to do. So what is it for you? What is it for you? Your, your future is at stake. Your calling is at stake. Your potential impact for the kingdom of God is at stake. If we don't get a hold of this thing, see, freedom comes when we replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word, the truth of God's word. And so we're going to do this today. We're going to put the message into practice. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Come on, this is practical. This isn't just inspirational. I want to give you some tools for your spiritual tool belt this morning. So stand with me this morning. If you're new to our church, we just always take a moment to reflect after we hear the message. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your head, kind of posture your heart before God in a spirit of just openness to allow him to speak to you today. Come on, just bow your head for just a moment. Let's put the message into practice today. I want to encourage you, just, just take a moment to be honest with yourself and with God this morning. And here's the question. What's the lie that you've been tempted to believe? What's the lie that slipped past your defenses and has taken root in your thinking? What is it for you? Maybe it's a lie about yourself. It's a lie about someone else. Maybe it's the lie that you can do whatever you want and there will be no consequences. What is it, that, that God isn't faithful, that he's not who he said he is? See, as, as you're just taking a moment to bow your head and open your heart, the Holy Spirit is showing many of you in this place something so subtle, something in your, in, in your self-conscious that's not true has been affecting you. And so why don't you just go ahead and name that thing, just under your breath. Nobody's listening to you. This is just you and God. Just go ahead and name that thing. We've been doing that every week. There's power in, in naming that thing. Come on, we're going to do a little confession today. And so we're going to say, Father, forgive me for believing that thing. Come on, we're going to do that. We're going to name it. Just right there under your breath. Just, just pray that prayer with me. Father, forgive me for believing that thing, whatever it is. It's affected my thinking. It's affected my identity. It's affected the way I treat other people. It's affected my, my behavior. I've given myself permission to do this or that, and it didn't line up with your will. It didn't line up with your best for me, and I'm going to go ahead and call it what it is. It's, it's a lie of the enemy, and now I turn back to you. I turn back to you, to your ways, to your goodness, to your heart, to your voice, to your character, to, to, your, to your love today. Come on, we're going to begin to speak the truth. Begin to speak the truth of God's word to that lie. The Holy Spirit will give you words today. Come on, God, I, I'm, I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm filled with your spirit. Come on, I'm walking with you, God. I, I choose to believe that I'm not unlovable. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is for me in Christ Jesus. I, I'm not a failure. I'm not a screw up because he who began a good work in me will be faithful. God, I choose to believe that you'll be faithful to complete that work in, in my life. God, you haven't abandoned me. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. He who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. God, I'm holding on to your voice today. Amen. Now listen to me, church, as we're praying today. You can begin to do that on a regular basis. We've given you a tool in your spiritual freedom tool belt 
It's not just something that happens on a Sunday morning. You can begin to do that. As you learn God's word, you can begin to replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. Jesus, we thank you that you came to set us free. You said you came to deliver the captives, God, to set us free. And Father, today we declare freedom over your people today. God, we thank you that you are a good, loving, and gracious God, and that everything you have for us is good. And we choose to lean into your voice today. We choose to lean into your spirit today. And we replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of your word. And so, Father, today I speak freedom over your people today. I speak healing over your people today wholeness over your people today. Lord, today we are demolishing the strongholds of the enemy in our minds and we walk in your freedom today. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say amen, amen, amen. Now, come on, let's worship. Let's give God thanks for what he's doing in our lives today. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.